Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Where do you want to go next? Anywhere is possible when you use Booking.com. Choose from thousands of unique stays across the U.S. and beyond. From hotels of all sizes to beach houses, wooden cabins, tiny homes, and more. Whatever style of travel you prefer, from sun and surf to camping in the woods to sightseeing in the city, you can find the accommodation that's perfect for you on Booking.com. Book somewhere, anywhere. The possibilities are everywhere. Booking.com. Booking. Yeah. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for listening to The Deal Board again. Today, we have a great episode. We're going to talk about industries that are still doing well through the pandemic. So some of you may have seen our live webinar episodes that we talked about how COVID affected valuations and how is this industry, our industry of selling businesses, going to be affected moving forward. But today, we want to bring some positive news and talk about you know what is still selling and then highlight three industries that are not just selling, but are doing really well and probably even more profitable than they were before March. Yeah, and it's probably pretty, it's not too surprising what's doing well out there in the world. I mean, you're thinking about it, most people are spending a lot of time at home. A lot of people are worried about uh, what, you know, whether or not a business or your home is clean. So we're going to talk about three industries. And not surprisingly, those industries are still being highly sought after, right? Right. So yes, are restaurants selling? Uh, yes, they still sell. We sell a lot of restaurants, but they're not selling at the velocity and they're certainly not selling at the valuation they used to. So they're not doing as well. Now, people are being very opportunistic and buying them, but we're seeing very, a lot of strength in the industries we're talking about. And of course, uh, construction is still a big industry, and that makes sense because people are sitting at home and, uh, and, and housing. You see housing still spiking. But you know we're ready to talk about these three industries because specifically, they are doing well. And they are so the first one we're going to talk about is the pool service industry. And this this ties right into your staycation thing, right? So a lot of people are staying at home. They're making home improvements. I mean, all you have to do is walk into a Home Depot and it's the most crowded store that, um, like possible, even above the grocery stores right now. But a lot of people are either adding pools or spending more time in their pools, uh, which require servicing. I mean, we're in a, we're in a market where... We don't actually have a lot of pools in Colorado. You know, we have a pretty dry climate. It's hard to keep the water in there. Hmm. So, um, but we're selling a, a pool company right now and they're having their best year ever. And, and they've been around for a, a long time. So they're going to be our listing of the week this week. But so pool service companies are doing really well. What's the second industry we're going to talk about, Andy? Oh, well, the second industry is janitorial. Janitorial is a uh, a booming business right now. Obviously, businesses, uh, schools, airports, you could think about it. 
uh, they're trying to make the public feel at ease to go out and continue these businesses. And you're seeing some of the businesses like restaurants having to charge surcharges because there's extra cleaning costs uh, in these businesses. And I've talked to a few of the owners of these janitorial companies. And when I've talked to some of the disaster recovery companies, and they are just booming and doing this specialized service and just the regular cleaning out there. So it's a booming industry right now. And the valuations are staying very strong. Uh, and we see people uh, looking for these types of businesses. Yeah. And then the last one we're going to talk about, about is auto body or auto repair. And it was interesting because this industry took a little bit of a, hit of a hit in April when everyone was at the stay at home phase. But now that we've moved to a, a more transient phase and we're doing staycations or local trips. I've also seen a big spike in in my personal um, circle of people doing road trips across the country and renting RVs and things like that. So they're getting a spike back because you got more people on the roads, more people traveling via, via car versus air. Naturally, there's going to be more accidents, more issues with autos. Um, so auto body and auto repair shops are seeing a big spike right now too. Yep. And it, and it also you know translates to the tire shops and it also translates to uh, some of the car wash. I mean, you would think uh, that, you know, the, these things would not be doing well, but like you said, they've rebounded very nicely, but uh, you know, and we just had a really good auto body sale. It's such a good story that we're going to save it for later. That's a little teaser for a, a future episode. It's such a, a unique story of a great entrepreneur that we just want to highlight her. Right. And that's going to be a great episode. Make sure you tune in next week to catch that one. But today we have three experts, one in each industry. Um, Aaron Fox talks about auto body um, and repair shops. He's from our Boston office. And then we've got Mike Shea, of course, returning to the show again, right, for pool service. Um, And then last but not least, John Woodall out of our office in Denver that has experience in cleaning and janitorial that are going to join us and give us their insights as industry experts into these three. It sounds like I had three great interviews. And so you can really, you know, understand what the valuations are on those. Great. Well, sounds like a plan. Let's get to it. Um, as always, if you have any questions or feedback for Andy or I, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can visit us at the dealboardpodcast.com. Um, and if you have anything you want us to cover in future episodes, you know, COVID related or not, deal related or not, please reach out and we can, we can get you on the show or we can talk to you one-on-one too. Let's do it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we are talking about the pool industry. And while it might sound like the pool industry is uh, based here in the South or the certainly California and the Southwest uh, United States, it is a worldwide business, I happen to know, because we sell pool businesses from around the world. Now, it is a seasonal business uh, where winter sets in. But again, uh, these these 
these business owners usually do something else in those times. But here in uh, South Florida and uh, Florida itself, it is a year-round business. And I have on the phone with me our returning guest, Michael Shea from Transworld Business Advisors of Central Florida, who has sold many pool routes. Again, he is a route expert. Uh, We've talked to him in the landscaping business as well. Michael, welcome to the show again. And, you know, let's talk pools. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me back. So the pool industry is, um, really, really popular. As you said, California, the Southwest, Texas, Arizona, and Florida. Um, and much, much similar in in a lot of regards to what we see in landscaping. And as you know, I had a landscaping company. If I'd known what I knew, what I know now, if I'd known back then, you know, what the dynamics of lawn care versus pool care, I would have probably rolled up a bunch of pool companies instead of lawn care. Um, The the profit margins and the CapEx is just so dramatically different, but it's a, it's a great business and very scalable. Right. And it it doesn't take a lot of equipment. As you said, I, you know, I see my pool guy come in and he's got like a little trailer. Sometimes they work out of their truck and they have like a little thing to carry the chemicals and some nets and some vacuums, things like that. Um, so it's still a very mom and pop business, as you uh, we've talked about with some other industries before. It is hard to scale up uh, a huge pool company. So uh, while there are some rather large ones out there, uh, it, it it is a mom and pop business because, um, you know, you want that personal service, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of prior customers who have done some roll-ups. Um, Two customers here in town, and both have about fourteen to fifteen people on the street. Um, so they're doing, you know, yeah, north of a bad. million, a million and change. Um, but I, it's not uncommon for me to see a, a four or five truck pull route uh, or pool service company, and they may or may not have a store. So philosophically, what what you'll sometimes see is, um, you know, a there's the guy in the truck, right? So the guy in the truck. You know, he's rolling around a dots and he's got his pole. He's probably got his hammerhead, which is that funny thing on the trailer yep. you were referencing. Um, that costs about 1500 bucks. You know, he easily could do 15 to 18 stops a day before 4 o'clock. And he's off surfing and on the beach drinking a six-pack. And he's probably making 40% profit. Um, now, that's not, you know, that's not always the case. The size of the pool, is the pool covered? Is it not covered? Is the salt system? Those variables drive your margins. But the margins are really, really solid. Um, so, you know, up here in central Florida, where the majority of the pools are covered, the margins are even better, you know, but relatively low barrier entry to get into the business, but they can be scaled. The labor is always the factor. Can you find people who will clean the pools? Um, and that's a challenge in a good economy like we're having right now, but, you know, getting big is not a problem. And you could even expand into the repair component of the business, which, you know, pools have a life. There's in Florida and the Southwest, Texas, California, the equipment is exposed. So the sun and the chlorine chemicals beats the heck out of the equipment. You're replacing those pieces of equipment on a pretty regular basis, every two years, every five years, every 10 years, uh, depending on what device we're talking about. And the margin on a repair of equipment is massive. Yeah, um, I've seen now, in places like the South, yeah, and the places like the South, you know, the commercial pools are in either another segment of the industry. You rarely see the two, you know, you ever, you rarely see a residential guy doing commercial and you rarely see a commercial guy doing residential. 
it's not that there's anything different. It's the logistics of those pools that makes it hard because large commercial pools have to be done every day. Residential have to be done once a week. It's hard to go on and off route and maintain your, your, your logistical efficiencies by having that, that mix of customers. So you, you tend to see them divided up into separate sectors. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you the one interesting thing about the pool business and pool company was actually one of my first deals that I sold back in the day. Uh, I have to get that guy on the podcast. He's an interesting story, but you know, the pool business is interesting to me in the fact that it doesn't sell for a high multiple. Uh, and, and there's two ways to buy pools, right? You could just buy the accounts and that sells for a multiple of monthly. And I'll let you talk about that a little bit. And then there's buying an actual company. And, but I still don't see yeah. the multiples being huge. Well, I think that in large part, so there's some guys out there in the industry of selling pools who have done a good job of, you know, putting stuff out on the internet and kind of defining for um, the industry what things are worth. Um, uh, and I'm not going to say his name, but if you go out there and write, hey, I want to buy a pool route, their, their website's going to pop up. Um, and what they tend to say is, hey, it's eight months worth of billing. Right. Um the odd thing is, like, okay, a pool route generally Service makes 40 only, to 50% right? profit. Right. They don't count the repair revenue, which is discounting, you know, what I just said. Right. You're changing filters regularly. You're repairing pumps regularly. You're repairing leaks regularly. Ignoring that revenue. And we have that same problem with lawn care. There was an element of lawn care where mulch and tree trimming wasn't counted. And I'm going, trees grow every year, right? The stuff grows back once you cut it. So... To, de- to deny that that is a, a valued revenue stream is ignorant. So I think sellers need to be aware that um, the multiples that are by the p- people in the industry are oriented to the buyer, not to the seller. Right. The sellers need to realize that repair revenue is just as value as just as valuable and should be counted because it has a regular frequency to it. So you can't ignore it. Um, but you know, in South Florida, when you're buying stops. Yeah, there's a discount because risk goes up, right? Um, so when guys are, hey, I got 10 stops or 50 stops, I'll sell it to you for eight months of billing, they're leaving money on the table. What they should do is package it up and sell it as a company. Yes. Um, the multiples, you know, I have always found, at least when I sell them, that the, the business is attractive because it's home-based, because of the service revenue component of it, because of the low uh, CapEx, now, those are all variables that are highly attractive that other businesses don't have. And in any other circumstance would drive the multiples up. It is not uncommon in central Florida to see a 1.8 to a 1.7 multiple. Yet in South Florida, we see a lower multiple. I think that has more to do with the reality is that your costs go up with the, the consumption of the chemicals. So you guys have a, have a, a hotter year. Your, your right. year of heat extends into November our year of heat kind of stops in October. So a month, you know, that decrease in temperature decreases chlorine consumption. There's a, there's a direct correlation to your margin. So our margins are better here. We tend to see a 1.8 to a two multiple uh, on businesses here. And that's right. always scaled up. The bigger it gets, the higher the multiple. <clears throat> yeah. And we see that around the country. I mean, listen, people are, there's always where they actually close their pools, right? There's a season where they close their pools and open their pools. There's that uh, component as well. You know, I'm going to close it. I'm going to winterize your yeah, pool. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, going to open your pool and then we're going to get it started. So there's uh, opportunities yeah. for that too. 
Yeah, my brother's place in Jersey. He, you know, he freehold end of August, end of Memorial Day. He, he, it's a whole exercise, and he doesn't want to do it. He's older than me. He calls the guy out. And there's a, you know, an eight hundred dollar charge to shut the pool down, and then there's an eight hundred charge to start the pool up. And they make their money differently. I mean, I, I think those guys probably go south and you know hang out during the winter time, or yeah. they may plow. Or right? plow. But, uh, yeah. It's the same. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, same deal. Their season's shorter. Yeah. So, it's but, they, a, but they also may do they also may do indoor pools. They may be servicing the hotels. Yeah, you well, know things like that. So yeah, or fountains or all. You know, there's a lot of different things and yeah. a lot of kind of offshoots from this business. There's a pond. Uh, we've we've sold a couple Locked of pond, yep. a pond uh, companies that take care of ponds and take care of uh, uh, you know waterways uh, here in South Florida. So there's a lot of different things that come off this business, and it's it's a great business. Again, uh, very mom and pop. You don't see any huge corporations like in the landscaping business jump into the pool business. There's some big ones, but again, there's not anybody like national huge because I think it is seasonal, and I think it is. Um, you know, uh, area specific. So it hasn't been picked over yet and it's a good business to buy. So uh, I, I think it's a great industry uh, hey, with the repairs, when, like you said. When, when I tell people, I mean, I, I was at a Dunkin' Donuts the other morning getting a cup of coffee. And I saw a young kid who graduated from high school and he was going to trade school and he's kind of in that lost moment. And his mom was with him, and I said, "You know, you'd be surprised what business what what businesses make money." And his mom was a teacher, so his mom's working in a public school, you know, teaching grammar school, makes forty five grand a year. And I just said, "You know, for example, you know, that pool the pool guy pulling through the the try through." I said, "That guy there," and I sold that guy that business. I said, "That guy there is making north of fifty, and it was well north of fifty, by the way." Right. You know, cause I'm, I'm in Lake Nona, a little bit higher end part of the, of the city. I, I said, trust me. She's like, are you kidding me? I go, no, I'm not kidding you. And she's sitting there scratching her head going, do I pay for tuition for a guy to go make a $15 an hour job? Or is he, I put him in a truck with a pole, right? Buy some chlorine and, and we're off to the races. Cause friends, family, you know, that's how you grow your business. And right. you could be out there cleaning pools and make a bunch of money and right. make 50, 60 grand a year. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and be done by three. So yep. it's a good business. It's a good industry. So if somebody wants yeah. to get, get involved in the industry, buy a business here in Florida, what's the best way to get in touch with you? 321-287-0349 or visit me at my website, yourfloridabusinessbroker.com. And I think if you hit me up on any social media platform, even TikTok, I am there. <laughs> it is true. You are out there. Michael, thanks so much for coming on today and lending your knowledge. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. Have a good one. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Everybody, we're back, and it is deal of the week, and we are here with a returning guest, Michael Shea, who has been continuing to sell businesses even through this COVID crisis. And, Michael, we got a good one today. Was it, 40, 50-year-old deal? Yeah, 50-year-old sign um, manufacturer here in Orlando. Yep. Great. Tell us about it. So uh, this is a little different, not traditional advertising signs. This company made uh, stamps like notary stamps, uh, office signs, um, had some government contracts with people like uh, Lockheed, some of the defense contractors here in Orlando, and then a lot of stuff with the hospitals. So we went um, went under contract for the, for the first time right when COVID happened. 
And um, in that deal, the uh, we were through due diligence, literally days from closing, and the buyer got the heebie-jeebies and pulled. Um, so the seller got you know a nice fat deposit as a default. Uh, he wasn't happy about not having to start over the process, but you know was compensated in some regards. And then a week later, went under contract again. Uh, this time with a buyer out of Dubai. I did this with uh, Dave D. Camille out of our Tampa office. Uh, a little complicated because um, it was an L1 visa. And with all of the misinformation or bad information or confusion with regard to COVID, we, we had a lot of battles to fight um, with landlords, um, educating landlords up, educating landlord attorneys up. We even had to bring in, um, we actually brought in some of the YouTube videos that you would Lisa Khan had done on immigration to kind of get the deal over the line. So we closed it last month. Uh, it was listed. It was a smaller deal, listed at 145,000 uh, bucks, and sold it for 130. And it was a stock deal too to add to the complication. Yeah, and that you'll see that a lot of times with L1 visas. And listen, there was a lot of moving parts, even as for a small deal. And again, you know talking about which uh we talked about another deal that we were recently doing the power of the trans world network to find the right buyer for these deals yeah we weren't even um i mean dave had the buyer you know i had the seller uh, dave doesn't do as many visas as i do um the seller had the buyer had a really bad visa attorney uh, who almost botched it um and you know fortunately there was a conference call uh, a zoom call where I was able to jump into the call and use the uh, the video Lisa had done with regard to immigration and, you know, to kind of overcome what the, some of the perceptions were. Um, so that documented information was super helpful to get that deal over the line. Um, seller was super happy, you know, stock deal, immigration deal, pandemic, um, you know, one deal cratering, moving into another. It was, it was a, it was a long, arduous deal, but, you know, Dave and I stuck through it. Yeah. I mean, that just goes to show you the powerful the power of the Transworld Network. And wow, do you need an expert these days to be on your side when selling businesses? I mean, more now than ever. So, Michael, what's the best way to get in touch with you if someone wanted to talk to you more? Best way is on my cell phone. It's surgically attached, 321-287-0349, or email me at mike at eWorld.com. And he's not kidding. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. And today, as you know, we're talking about industries that are still doing well in the current economy, facing a global pandemic and just changes um, to local and global economies overall. And I have an expert with me from the janitorial and commercial cleaning services that's going to help us dive into that industry. So I'd like to welcome John Woodall to the show. John, welcome back. Thanks, Jess. Glad to be here. So, John, you're also a business broker with our Transworld Rocky Mountain office, but why don't you go back a, a step or two and just t tell us about your background, a little bit about you. Sure. Um, so, back in 2005, I purchased a uh, janitorial business. Um, it was a smaller one, um, probably doing a half a million bucks a year or something like that. Had about 20 employees, and uh, over 12 years, I grew it. I thought, I'd grow, I thought I would grow it way more than I did, but... <laughs> what you have in a spreadsheet doesn't usually work out. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I grew up for every year for the 12 years I had it and we got up to, you know, like a hundred employees or so and approximately 3 million in revenue and ended up uh, actually selling it with you guys. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Right. And now, now you're on the team selling businesses like that and other ones as well. So, I mean, oh, yeah. got, 
Yeah. And you've got a lot of expertise in this industry. I thought we'd first start um, by just talking about like, what are the types of services that janitorial and commercial cleaning companies provide and what makes them different from a general cleaning service or residential, you know, maybe like, let's just start at that 101 level for buyers that aren't even familiar with this industry. Um, yeah, I mean, they're t- I, I, in my opinion, I mean, obviously everyone's got different opinions, but um, in my experience with this business, you know, we did look at doing residential, um, but it is a completely different beast. Um, it's different, um, you know, the, in terms of like what you pay your labor, um, what you charge the customer, the insurance that goes with it, the, how you handle customer complaints. I mean, residential um you know, it's just a, it's just completely different. So it's, it's hard to sort of uh, switch gears between those two types of businesses, like the commercial versus the residential commercial um, is um, it's a month to month. I mean, it's a daily thing. It's a, you know, it's like a monthly recurring revenue stream that, you know, usually you're, you're cleaning it, you know, at least once a week, maybe twice, three times, five times, seven times a week. So, um, you know, it's just a more consistent uh, hands-off, you know, the people that you put in place to do the work, um, you know, it can, as long as you have that account, you know, that could be, and they do a good job and service the customer appropriately. I mean, that could be a very long-term account for them because, um, you know, with, with, with commercial cleaning, um, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's, it's, it's one of those businesses. It's one of those things that, you know, they don't, you don't see, your employee, see people doing the work. So there's not this sort of affection towards the person who's doing work for you. Whereas with residential cleaning, um, you know, you have a different situation where somebody's coming in every day. And so they, uh, you know, you see them every day and you're very thankful for what they do. So, I mean, unless you have like a day porter, I guess, um, that's the type of situation where, you know, it sort of makes it a little bit more stickier on the, on the commercial side. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, in terms of janitor commercial, it's like, you also have another piece of commercial businesses. The, you know, you have the, the project work that you can bring in like carpet work and floors and windows and stuff like that, that, you know, might contribute like for us, I think contribute about 10% of our overall revenue. Um, the other 90% was the, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, um, uh, type of cleaning, you know, just regular cleaning. And it's, it's a really, it's always been a really desirable business for buyers because of the monthly recurring revenue piece. And then I, I like how you brought up the upsells, right? Cause it's always easier to upsell a current customer into a, a new product or an additional service like carpet cleaning, right? And to try and go out and get a new one. But this monthly recurring revenue piece has always been attractive to buyers in any industry. And that's why um, janitorial and commercial cleaning businesses have, have been in demand for quite some time. But looking at the environment now that we're in um, and the, at, like the rise of COVID, right? W- what opportunities or what trends are you seeing in this industry? Uh, and we, we know it's on the show, industries are still doing well. So obviously it's doing well. So like, what are the positive upsides that th- these companies are seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's a, actually the supplemental piece is a nice segue into, you know, what is happening within the commercial cleaning industry. Um, you know, at the end of the day, every business, what are they about? You know, their number one job is to position the business to bring value to the customer, right? Because that's what's going to make the customer want to continue to do business with you. So, you know, things got turned upside down here, I think, with, you know, obviously COVID and everyone's tries to, has to recalibrate and figure out like, well, you know, how we do business, we need to change that and make sure that we're still bringing value to our customers before, 
you know, they start, you know, trying to figure it out of themselves and realize they don't need you. So I think, you know, the good companies in this industry right now, you know, that's what they're doing is, you know, they're figuring out like the, you know, sort of the knowledge piece of this, like what's the, what are those CDC regulations and how does that translate into, you know, how we service, you know, our customers and getting in front of the customers, you know, to make sure that, you know, where they're overworked or over sort of, uh, yeah, maybe overworked with their staff, you know, how you can help come in and help supplement that, um, to help them meet their guy, meet those guidelines. Um, and so that's, uh, and, and another thing too, I think, you know, it's, you know, not, not everything is perfect, but overall, you know, obviously this is a, a necessary, uh, especially in a situation like we have with COVID. I mean, this is a, it's very important to obviously have, you know, have the cleaning services, um, but there's a lot of companies, I mean, this was like 80 to, I'm thinking 80 to 90% of the janitorial industry are kind of mom and pop type businesses. And not all of those I think are able to sort of measure up, you know, being able to get out there and, you know, uh, meet the demands of what's being presented here. And so, you know, I feel like that, that next layer, that middle size business, you know, say 50 to 500 employees is like a really good sized business that, you know, can, can, uh, you know, kill it during this time, essentially. Yeah. Cause it does take, I mean, a certain amount of manpower just to even understand the CDC regu- regulations. Right. And then be able to provide that additional, you know, sometimes it's additional products that they're looking at and, and customer requests. So, and it does, I mean, John, you and I have talked about this. It presents a really good opportunity for buyers because of this mom and pop nature of the industry to do a roll up or a merger of, of multiple different small firms to that mid-sized firm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think it's, 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 a, you can always go and acquire a business if you're a strategic and, you know, it's a great way to grow your business through acquisition. Um, you know, it's obvious, I think what you need to look at is what your, what does your business do, um, in terms of, you know, what types of, uh, services they provide, you know, I mean, are you a, you know, a heavily project-based type business? Are you a, you know, clean offices? Do you clean schools? Do you, you know, what, what sort of industries are you servicing? What, um, you know, there's, there's all these things you have to sort of take into consideration. Day, there's like the daytime stuff that you could do, like at apartments and HOAs and um, day porter type work that, um, but so how do you bring that together to like make a cohesive business that's not going to sort of take you in a direction that, um, alter to serve your operating model. Um, and obviously going into residentials, like that example of where that would happen. Um, so yeah, acquisition is a great way, but I think there's like, you know, with this COVID thing, there's a lot of potential for organic growth. Just, I think there's more money being spent from customers on, you know, cleaning because of these regulations. And then there's also opportunity, you know, for new business because some people can't measure up. Yeah. And another thing too, I've thought, is on the larger end, um, what I'm hearing is that, you know, like large, you know, big downtown buildings, they have cut way back. And so, you know, they usually those are, you know, big kind of union buildings and, um, you know, with, you know, the, the people not showing up to, to do work or not working as much at in office buildings as high rise office buildings anymore. The, the larger companies are having a, a little bit of a struggle and there's been some layoffs at that end. Whereas sort of that middle five to 500, you know, type 
business, person business, um, you know, they're, they're able to actually have a little bit better situation on the labor side of it too, because they yeah. can access those people. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about that, but it, there are certain segments of the industry that if there's no one in the office buildings, right, then they, they don't need yeah. the, the daily cleanings or the three times a week cleanings. So I hadn't thought about that, but like you said, there's other, there's other segments of the industry that are growing fast and where um, commercial cleaning is not, is it's now a necessity. It's not a, a nice to have. It's not, you know, it's not something you can figure out on your own as a business owner with your staff. Um, if you want to be compliant with regulations and make your customers feel comfortable. So let's dive in a little bit into the listeners who are thinking about, you know what, I think this is an industry right for me. I want to look into purchasing a business um, in this industry and we'll get into multiples in a little bit, but John, in, in your professional opinion, what are some key things or attributes in a business a buyer should look for in this industry? Or what are some key questions they should ask? Um, I would say, well, I mean, one of the things I'd want to know is you want to know what types of industries they're servicing. Um, you know, I think one of the things is what, you know, how, how have you handled COVID? Like what is the, you know, what has been your plan and how have you communicated that plan to your customers and how have your customers responded to that plan? Um, that's going to tell me, you know, that they're, you know, on solid footing. Um, the other piece is just like, I mean, I think, yeah, what industries are they in? You know, what's, what's the percentage of, of the business that is actual monthly recurring versus how much of it is reoccurring or project-based business? How is that project-based business, you know, come about. I mean, these are all the things like what, what is the, what is, how is the, how do you get your revenue? And then, you know, understanding, you know, what's the cost of your labor? Where, where are you at with cost of labor? I know here in Denver, um, you know, we've had, I mean, when I was running my business 12 years ago, we were, hopefully people don't take this the wrong way, but we pay people $7 an hour because that was what the minimum wage was. Right. Or I think we've always paid like 50 cents to a dollar more. So we're like seven fifty or eight bucks. By the time I was selling my business, we were at $12 an hour minimum wage. So we were paying, you know, $12.50 to $13.50 or something like that. Um, and that was just sort of your frontline staff. So, you know, what's, what is the, uh, you know, understanding what your labor situation is um, how, and, you know, how, how is that as a percentage of your overall, you know, revenue? And it should be, I mean, it depends on what type of business you're doing. I mean, if you're doing like a one-day week type jobs, I mean, you should be making 50% margin on gross margin. If you're doing like the big, you know, bigger sort of five-day week type jobs, you should be doing, you know, you should be in that 65 to 75%. Um, I'm sorry, you should be in that uh, 35 to uh, 25% gross margin on labor. Mm-hmm. So um, those are kind of key ingredients. And then obviously the, the SG&A or the expenses of running the business, you know, making sure there's no weird things going on with insurance, you know, where they've had a bunch of cl- uh, claims and stuff like that, because that might make you think, okay, there, there's some, you know, issues here with, their, with the operations. Um, and, you know, look at the supply costs. Supply costs are significant. We usually always target 4% of labor as a supply cost. And so those are kind of the things that I look at to say, okay, you know, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, which is a good thing. <laughs> yep. I'm a broker. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, those numbers, they'll tell, they, they tell the story. And, you know, then at the end of the day, it's like how, you know, what's the concentration? You know, the other thing is just what's the concentration of your business with amongst all your customers. I mean, do you have one customer that's 50% of your business? Um, Cause that's going to be, you know, how we're going to keep that account. 
um, those are the kind of things that you want to make sure that you don't know, get involved in something that, uh, and actually when I bought my business, we had a situation like that, but I tied it to the purchase price. So we actually lost it, but when we lost it, um, you know, I didn't have to pay the seller. Right. And that's a lot of good things that brokers can help with in the negotiation phase too. And we'll, at the end of the episode, we'll yeah. give everybody your contact information because you are an expert in this industry and others. And as a numbers guy, you, you know, a lot of those key metrics if, if people are looking for a business. So what do you think about valuation? Where are valuations sitting right now for uh, commercial cleaning? Sure. Um, I think, uh, well, value, so valuations, you know, I've done a few deals here recently in the, in this sector and you know, it's usually run, running, say, two to three times um, SDE and three to four times for EBITDA. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of qualitative factors that go into, like, whether or not that's going to be supported. And those qualitative factors, you know, can also influence, I guess, what the deal structure is going to be. Um, so, for example, like right now, I have a deal where, um, you know, it's a million-dollar sale. There's, you know... 50% of one of the customers, 50% of the, um, uh, the business. So, you know, seller's going to carry a big note on that, um, that one, a customer for the first 12 months. And so that's kind of just, just to make sure we transition that customer over safely. Um, kind of like my deal. And then, um, yeah, so it's, I think that's, I mean, there's, yeah, those are sort of the, the ranges, I guess. Um, I mean, other things that influence the, the purchase price is just, you know, the amount of cash flow you generate or, you know, SDEA EBITDA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the lower the number, you know, those are going to, you know, depress those, uh, those multiples. Right. The like, lower end. like we always say on the show, you know, valuation is, you know, both quantity and quality of SDE, right? So as the SDE goes up, the multiple goes up too. And then there's the qualitative factors that you brought up. Some of those really good metrics about gross margins and, you know, the cost of products and where they're getting the revenue reoccurring versus project all really good metrics for people to focus on, John. And I'm sure this has given our listeners great information, but spurred some additional questions. So if someone's looking in this industry to either purchase their business or listen to this episode and thinks maybe this is a great time to sell and they want to reach out to you to connect more, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, my cell number is uh, 720-339-7050. Um, or you can just reach me at John, J-O-H-N, at tworlddenver.com. Tworlddenver is one word. That's great. Well, this has been a really great interview, John. I'm sure you've provided a lot of unanswered questions and maybe some ideas uh, for listeners of the show. Any last parting words of advice? Yeah, sure. Just hope everybody uh, stays safe and healthy and uh, we get out of this uh, situation sooner rather than later so that uh, all businesses are performing as well as the janitorial industry. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very true. The same. All right. Thanks, John, again, for joining us on the show. And we look forward to having you back soon. All right. Thanks, Jess. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And it is listing of the week. And we have Chip Redman from Transworld Business Advisors of Central Florida. Welcome, Chip. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Good. And, you know, listen, we always talk about uh, like big deals out there in the world. 
But, you know, we want to remind people, especially with the unemployment, you know, creeping up, that there are some really good small businesses that you could have an excellent career with. So tell me about yours. This is a barbershop, right? Yeah, I've got a seven-chair barber barbershop in Osceola County. It's kind of near the theme parks. It's a really neat deal to where the guy has seven chairs that he rents out at $200 a week for barbers. And he actually has two chairs in a back area that's set up for tattooing. Wow. And the owner wants to retire, right? The owner wants to move into another industry. Okay. Um, he doesn't want to cut hair anymore. He'd like to move into flipping houses is his next dream. Okay. So he, he had a small little business and this one is being sold cheap, right? You gotta move. Yeah, he's moving this for twenty thousand dollars. He earned thirty four thousand last year in earnings, um, and he's trying to get rid of it right now at twenty thousand dollars even. Right. So somebody who cut hair, who was a barber, this is an excellent deal for them, right? Yeah, it's great. All you would need is somebody to have a master barber's license, but he's willing to leave his master barber license there at the shop, cut hair, and and live your dream. There you go. So for $20,000, you're in business and uh, you can uh, start, you know, working. And uh, with, they are operating now, right? They are open, fully open right now. They're just wearing masks. There you go. Good citizens wearing masks and doing business. That's what we like to say. Uh, Chip, what's the best way to get in touch with you if somebody wants to know more? My cell phone is 321-299-6867. And you can get me at chrisredmond at tworld.com. There you go. Great job, Chris. And give him a call. This is a great deal. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, we're back. And we love talking about industry specialties. And today we're going to talk about a unique one in the automotive business, uh, auto body shops. And we have sold some auto body shops in the past. I have uh, Aaron Fox with me from Transworld Business Advisors of North Boston, and uh, welcome back, uh, Aaron. You know, uh, you know what happens is you start selling these businesses and you become an expert. So, what have you learned about the auto body business? I've learned that uh, auto body is a fantastic business, absolutely fantastic business, especially for the right person. <laughs> it's. Um, I never realized all the intricacies that really go along with that with that industry as we started getting into it. And those are some of the businesses that pe um, people have built and started from scratch or started from doing repairs in their garage. It's absolutely incredible to see what they've done. Yeah, I mean, we all, there's the book, The Millionaire Next Door, and uh, these quote-unquote blue-collar millionaires, uh, people who make really good money, in the body uh, shop business and uh, auto body shops are, you know, I don't know if they're going away anytime soon. Uh, you, you might think that self-driving cars might be a little bit uh, more careful than other cars, but there's still tons of things. I mean, we see it in now uh, uh, climate change is going to affect uh, bodies, uh, auto body shops because it hails, it rains, cars, you know, get hit by, uh, by branches you know, there's a lot of reasons why people need maintenance on their cars. Oh, yeah. And as we're watching now, too, there's even, there's more cars on the road than ever. There's more distractions that are pulling you in 50 different directions while you're in your car than ever. I mean, even those self-braking cars, they still don't protect you when you're backing out of the garage and you take the side view mirror off the car. 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. So we've seen a lot of uh, body body shop businesses in the past. So what are some of the intricacies in the industry? Well, a lot of it comes down to you know what their specialties. You know, some of these specialties and certifications that go along with them um, are uh, really do carry their weight in gold. When you look at the authorized repair service center for you know pick company like Volvo that's taken off recently, having that certification really does bring a lot of value. And then you start looking really at that team that's in place and what their quality of work and their checks and balances of what they're delivering to their customers. Uh, what I've also really even noticed too is I thought that you know being the preferred shop and all of the DRP that came along with the business was really the gold standard. There's some boutique shops out there that don't do any DRP whatsoever and they cater to specific customers and they've just built this awesome residual network that comes back and they've full referral based. And I'm looking at some of the volume and just downright impressed. Did I miss something? DRP, what does that stand for? Oh, that's the, uh, you gotta, you gotta know the lingo. That's, I, that goes right. That's why we do sorry, the show. Sorry, that's sorry. why we do the show. <laughs> you know, so DRP is basically the, um, insurance company's, uh, direct to repair program. Okay. So a direction to repair. Something. Sure. Sure. So, you know, there's certainly some specialties out there. Talk about, uh, some of the, uh, EPA and things, issues that go along with, uh, buying a auto body shop. Well, you always have to remember that paint is hazmat and, that's can be a gift and a curse depending on where you're located. I know up here in Boston we've got some towns that flat out will not have will not issue another permit for another auto body shop. So great, great, great protected markets. Uh, we've got some other towns that are just miserable to work with on transfers, but you get to know that and you get to know the right people. And then you can figure out what's gonna go on there. But those uh EPA regulations I mean, paintings become a lot cleaner. There's a lot more systems in place. The The ventilation that's going into these systems, uh, really, the community should not be afraid of a good auto body shop. Right. And we've, and we've seen that a lot of these modern body shops are, have better equipment and better spray booths and better EPA and uh, uh, EPA compliance and certainly uh, OSHA compliance for their, for their employees. So that's all good. And, and But these things make money, right? At the end they of make, the day. They make a lot of money. Uh, it's, you know, like any industry, you've got challenges with employees and the hands that touch the car are really the quality of the work that you get. But when you're managing that team and as an owner, you're making sure that you're not the one really doing the repairs and you're focusing on that team the returns are fantastic. Right. So they, and then they usually have great books and records. Uh, I mean, I guess there can be some cash in the business, but if they're doing uh, insurance work, they're doing township work for police and fire and, uh, and, you know, uh, maintenance vehicles for uh, towns. Uh, we've seen those kind of businesses. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a cash business. It's not a cash business. It's a, you know, a check uh, and charge business. So, so you got good books and records. Uh, and once you acquire that skill, um, 
you know, I, I don't think that uh, this is a business that's going to be uh, put on the Internet anytime soon. No, definitely not. And Andy, you actually made a great point there when you referenced the uh, the towns and municipalities. What a lot of shops uh, may or may not realize in their areas, too, that if you have a shop might be a quick tip for you to pick up some decent volume. If you're in some of these economic redevelopment zones, there are some directives that they have to repair those vehicles locally with the shop. So check with those municipalities to see if you can get some of that work directed to your shop because those those can be some big paychecks. Um, cruisers do not live a, a babied life. Right. And neither do the plow trucks in town. <laughs> right. And, you know, down south, uh, again, we have things like hurricanes and – all kinds of things that throw coconuts around and dent cars and hailstorms and, you know, and so there's just, uh, as, as the commercial says, there's general mayhem out there that, uh, that keep, <laughs> keep auto, bo- auto body shops in business. Uh, Aaron, if somebody wanted to talk to you about uh, selling their auto body shop, what, what's the best number to get in touch with you? Sure. Give me a call. Shoot me a text at 781-773-8922. Great. Thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Where do you want to go next? Anywhere is possible when you use Booking.com. Choose from thousands of unique stays across the U.S. and beyond. From hotels of all sizes to beach houses, wooden cabins, tiny homes, and more. Whatever style of travel you prefer, from sun and surf to camping in the woods to sightseeing in the city, you can find the accommodation that's perfect for you on Booking.com. Book somewhere, anywhere. The possibilities are everywhere. Booking.com. Booking.yeah.